0: one and all welcome to another very exciting episode of the friends talking fantasy podcast my name is Charles and with me today as always is my lifelong friend and co-host Dylan
1: I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend Charles let's talk some fantasy friend Dylan I am more (laughs) than ready <laughs> I gotta change the tone up a little bit Spice it up You know you Got it. Keep,
0: keep things exciting And what would be more exciting Than the return of I guess it's not really no, a series Because return. this is the second time we've ever done this
1: Yeah and the other one's banked well, it's the entrance. also
0: the in, the welcome episode we did this. Oh. But we have our recommendation series. This is something we're going to try and do more of now, but what it is is um we are going to find different categories, styles of fantasy books and we're each going to recommend a book that we've read and liked and would you know recommend that you read and um today's topic for our recommendation series is what standalone novel would we each recommend this is not the definitive like this is the best standalone novel by any means but these are standalone novels that we have read and that we would recommend you read well worth the time and um I I think that's it. We'll just each pick a, you know, we'll each pitch a book, and uh, it'll just get us talking about more fantasy. And that's always the, that's always the end game here. Friends talking fantasy.
1: We're in the end game now.
0: (laughs) We are in the end
1: game now. Um,
0: So, who would like to go first? Do you feel strongly, anyway, direction?
1: I'll go first, just to move it. Let's do it. (laughs) I am. I went with something a little bit different from, I think, most of what we cover here on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. I'm, I'm not sure, though, they were pretty popular books. I'm not sure how many folks that listen to this will have, or not pretty popular books. This is standalone. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty popular book called Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And I think it's a little bit more on the like capital L literature side of things here, Charles, though it's definitely mm. speculative fiction. Um, I think that's just the, the crowd it ended up appealing to is a little bit more capital L literature <laughs> from what I can gather. Um, I feel you. Cause I don't see it come up a lot on our fantasy or anything like that, but it certainly fits into this larger speculative fiction genre, and I'll, I'll just get started with explaining what it is. I, I grabbed some stuff from the Goodreads for this book, which is, One snowy night, a famous Hollywood actor, slumps over and dies on stage during a production of King Lear. However, The world as we know it begins to dissolve, moving back and forth in time from the actor's early days as a film star to 15 years in the future, when a theater troupe known as the Traveling Symphony roams the wasteland of what remains, this suspenseful, elegiac? She should have read this before. E-L-E-G-I-A-C. See, that's a capital literature word right there. Yeah. Elegiac spellbinding novel charts the strange twists of fate that connect five people. The actor, the man who tried to save him, the actor's first wife, his oldest friend, and a young actress with the traveling symphony caught in the crosshairs of a dangerous self-proclaimed prophet. So... That's from Goodreads. Um, (laughs) My explanation is basically it's this post-apocalyptic novel that, uh, like they said there, goes back and forth in time to cover all these people who were interconnected in some way around this guy, Arthur Leander. That's that famous Hollywood actor who drops dead on stage right before the world Starts to go to uh, crap. And the way it ends up going awry is there is something called the Georgia flu, which wipes out 99% of the population. Um, oh boy. It's obviously weird timing to be talking about <laughs> this uh, in the middle of a pandemic. But part of why I bring it up is because it's it's not really about the pandemic itself. Like it either takes place mostly before the pandemic or well after things have at least like no one's still sick from it. The only people still around are people who uh, were immune to it. So um, the book is really, it's interesting because you start talking about like dystopian or post apocalyptic Charles and, what what comes to mind for you? What kind of books come to mind when I say that?
0: Um, that is a good question, Dylan. I'm not. <laughs> uh, what kind of books am I supposed to be thinking of? You're
1: supposed to think of the Hunger Games and things like that. Those bring mm. about these, like maybe not post apocalyptic necessarily with that one, but like dystopian. I thought you might say that, Charles. But sorry to put you on the spot. Uh, like just these... wanted to get you more involved. <laughs> I appreciate that,
0: but. I guess, like, I don't know if I'd consider Hunger Games apocalyptic. It's definitely dystopian. dystopian. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
1: otherwise, you might think of things like The Handmaid's Tale is another one that maybe you would have said or something like that. That's pretty famous now. I never the saw Shaman
0: that. Hulu. I never read The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah.
1: I've read that one. And that's also, like, a little more capital literature type thing. But <laughs> um, the, the stuff that it evokes, I would say, is usually, in tone, very bleak right mm-hmm. you think of those kind of books and you're like oh this is going to be dreary but and probably pretty epic oftentimes like toppling governments if we're thinking things like <laughs> hunger games right 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 so this book is is very different from that i wouldn't want people going and expecting that and it's fresh because of how it differs from that well it it's post-apocalyptic and technically dystopian. The book is surprising, I think, in a tone that's like hopeful, and then weirdly like slice of life. In when it mm. hops back and forth into these people's lives, like I said, it's not really about the pandemic or uh, an apocalypse or anything like that. It is just about people and really. At its core, it tends to be about the just like what it means to be human. So we often uh, think, like, I, I referenced in a recent episode that may or may not have been <laughs> released at this point the oh gosh, friendship can... in Red Sister one. Ah, um, uh, that has
0: just come out. That came out on Wednesday, and today's cool. Friday.
1: So you'll hear me talk about maslow's hierarchy of needs oh we're coming back with the hierarchy of needs i'm bringing it back charles exciting and though i won't explain in detail it basically says you try to deal with your more base needs first right if you're ridiculously hungry then you're going to be focused on that maybe not other things, and when we deal with things like post-apocalyptic stuff, we think like these people are just trying to get by. They're hungry. Maybe they're even like killing each other and mm, all this like kind walking of stuff. Walking Dead, kind of. Walking Dead. That was a good example. That's a great like, example.
0: Killing each other and like barbaric, right. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's all gone to crap. They're just trying to get yeah. food and water and not die and all this kind of stuff. But <laughs> in Station Eleven, though, it's sort of this post-apocalyptic feel. It follows a Troop that does shakespeare plays so they travel around and perform for people in the middle of this like dystopian setting and on the lead caravan uh or lead wagon of this the caravans i go the phrase survival is insufficient is inscribed on it mm-hmm. and that happens to be a star, star trek. trek quote that has yeah has gone beyond the apocalypse uh to <laughs> stay alive like this does take place in our world and i think as lovers of stories here on the FTF podcast and on the just you know people who love fantasy and stuff we can appreciate the fact that this follows people that are trying to still tell stories and things like that even amidst this like civilization has collapsed dystopian setting and i just find that really really like cool and i feel like that's exactly the kind of stuff that would happen right like we as people would not just fall into just all trying to kill each other and all that kind of stuff i think we would try to preserve these things that are meaningful to us like the arts and yeah I love that part of this. So it also, like I said, goes back to before civilizations collapse and it focuses on this guy, Arthur Leander and his life. And he's kind of this guy, like three, he has three ex-wives. He (laughs) is like, in some ways, kind of what you think of when you think of like a Hollywood actor who's past his prime and you kind of look back on his life and you're like, what did this all amount to? <laughs> <laughs> and we get to explore what did this all amount to? Because all of these people are in some way connected to him. And in one way or no- another, he's influenced them whether he realizes it or not. So he kind of just, this guy who dies actually of a heart attack uh, on stage <laughs> like when he's way past his prime and then, so he doesn't even like die of the, the disease that spread. Um, uh, but it just happens to be right when all of it starts happening and it's like, okay, oh, he doesn't really have much of a family or anything like that. And he dies, yes, in front of everyone, but also alone. <laughs> and
0: Ooh, that's capital yeah, L literature right there. <laughs> that it is, Charles. It's pretty deep.
1: So, we get acquainted with him and all these other characters in this extremely like intimate way where we get to know their, all their idiosyncrasies and their foibles and they just feel really uh, true in a way you don't often see uh, in most of what I've read anyway. <laughs> hey, and it, I think the stories in a lot of ways are about, Hey, when we go in depth into this person's life and the people he's, touched you can see that we all impact folks in ways we often don't realize and it's just a really cool tale about how that can take place
0: oh that sounds kind of sweet actually for a book about a pandemic
1: <laughs> yeah we're tired. i know charles you said like uh, do you really want to talk about this right now uh i did text him too soon (laughs) but but
0: (laughs) it doesn't sound like it's that way you know it's not about like getting us scared about how horrifying a pandemic could be it's more about you know the characterization of how life moves on
1: in a ways exactly it's much more about people's lives before and well after it's not really going on too much during it was weird timing for me I did read it earlier <laughs> this year so in January of this year is when I read this and then i it I think it was more inspired by like a the swine flu thing that never really came to pass in the way that things did with uh covid obviously but um it uh because it came out in like 2014 I think but I read it in 2020 right. and then I was like hearing about COVID and things like that. I was like, that's weird. I did just read that book. <laughs> so it it's weird. And I mean, maybe not the best time for people to want to read it if that kind of stuff, obviously my heart goes out to everyone who's, uh, I mean, just the world in general for what we're dealing with. And also everyone who's been more personally affected by the pandemic. So maybe it's not, Great for folks if they're trying to get away from it, but it's also like hopeful in its tone in a way that I think might actually be not the worst for this time.
0: Got it. So, this is the recommendation series. Could we, could you maybe go a little more into like what kind of people or what kind of preferences you would recommend this book to?
1: Yeah, sure. I would recommend this book to people who tend to like more of a like slice of life type feel Mm. to their books i know i mentioned that earlier where it's like like i said you're used to these like if we're dealing with a dystopian setting or speculative fiction oftentimes it's like let's destroy this awful government and the stakes are super high and all this kind of stuff. But this is more just like, let's tell you about people's lives and how they're interconnected and how people affect each other. So I would recommend it to people who enjoy some of that slice of life or looking for a change of pace from (laughs) a lot of what we deal with, which is the world has to be, in danger or like apocalypse has to be like something that we're trying to prevent or something yeah. like that in right. And fantasy novels like though well, the apocalypse already happened how do people move on yeah so Very interesting. i think those folks people who are a fan of some of these maybe some you know what fans of i'll say the the broken earth trilogy actually might enjoy this because I think Broken Earth tends to feel a little more like capital L literature, very deep themes (laughs) and things along those lines while also like (laughs) I mean that book starts with the line like what is it it's like uh let's start with the end of the world like get it out of the way and move on to more interesting things well if that line (laughs) that amazing opening line appeals to you i think in some ways that's what station 11 does as well it's like like let's move on past the end of the world and get to more interesting things
0: that's interesting yeah i You know, it it sounds very interesting. I, I do like the idea of this more slice of life. Like, let's get more into the characterization and less about this high stakes, dramatic, end of the world apocalypse thing. You know, I think there's a lot of interesting thoughts about the human condition to explore in something like a modern day setting, fallout of a pandemic kind of situation. And it piqued my interest, I'll say that.
1: Glad to hear it, Charles. I would love to read this on the podcast at some point. But We've got this giant TBR right now. So
0: hopefully one day, Charles. Oh my gosh, it is
1: giant. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I mean, that's one of the great things about standalones. This is a standalone recommendation series. And I think that you can kind of just, Use these as palate cleansers a little bit. You it's get only... that slice
0: of life. You yes. You it changes your perspective and the way you think about certain things. It leaves some memories with you, but then you can like, you're not in it for you know 14 books.
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels like <laughs> that wheel of time, buddy. Read is uh, <laughs> definitely. On the forefront of our minds over here, <laughs> <laughs> I am very excited
0: to get into it. But I is glad to, it is fun to be talking about while facing the prospect of reading a 14 book series to be talking about these standalones and how they affect us in, in, in different ways. And, uh, yeah, man, that's that's an interesting yep. perspective to bring to the table. We talk so much swords and sorcery, it's nice to hear about a more modern setting.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was like, look, should I talk about Elantris or uh, Warbreaker, both by Brendan Sanderson, when, of course, I Warbreaker would have been a
0: good pick for me. I haven't read Elantris yet, but
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what's good about these recommendations series. It allows
0: us to bring in different books and authors and perspectives that we can't get into when our, you know, our buddy reads we're committed to a certain author, a certain world for several weeks at a time. So be, to be able to break it up and kind of expand on this whole speculative fiction thing we're trying to achieve, it's uh I appreciate reaching out for something a little more out of the realm of what we're currently covering with our with our buddy reads.
1: True, Charles. Oh, and I did just think of other people this book might appeal to. I'd say people who like theater. <laughs> they are Shakespeare troop and theater people. Yeah, theater people, people into like acting or Hollywood even, because it's (laughs) like you start, you get an idea of this guy's life where he's this Hollywood actor and it's, it's not like glamorized, which I think is kind of interesting. It's kind of like what it's like to be someone who's famous, uh, warts and all in its portrayal of those things. So I don't know, Mm. maybe people into that kind of stuff as well.
0: That is interesting. I'm always fascinated by Hollywood and the the industry and stuff. So, you you sold me. Nice. So, I will introduce my recommended standalone book. And I'll first start off by saying the author. This is an author that is welcome at the seat of the table that is best-selling fantasy authors, but we have yet to talk about on our show. And that is Guy Gavril Kay. And no, this is not Lines of al rasan which I have never read. And no, it is not Tigana, which I have read and liked. This is instead one of his more um, perhaps understated series, and it is Under Heaven. It is his 11th novel. Thank you. And it was published in 2010. Um, What's interesting about um, Guy Gavril Kay as an author and about under heaven is that under heaven is this unique blend of historical fiction and fantasy which you would think historical fiction is kind of fantastical but the fact that he's able to draw a clear line between the two and then blend them together is what makes under heaven super interesting of course this period of history we're talking about you know for under heaven guy gavril k was inspired by the tang dynasty in china which was a you know hundreds of years ago like um so it's very much like um you know a swords and sorcery but in in over in china heavily inspired by the tang dynasty and guy describes this this dynasty as glittering glorious sophisticated violently dangerous and one of the absolute high points of civilization anywhere so we, we've seen Guy Gavril Kay kind of like his art of the setting is also a super fascinating one like with Tigano which is perhaps a standalone novel that more fantasy fans are familiar with from his work has this very European Mediterranean setting and he like guy does a ton of research into these historical civilizations like Rome or you know, In this case, the Tang Dynasty, and then he kind of creates his own world from that. Uh, In Under Heaven, the story opens with a weary soldier named Tai, T A I, who dedicates his days burying the countless bones of soldiers from a battle long forgotten. So he just like wakes up, buries a body, but there's still like countless bodies everywhere and goes to bed. You know, it's kind of like a fruitless effort, but it's one he's committed to. It's a very interesting opening scene, and it's this dedicated act of kindness that earns him the attention and admiration of a princess who gives him this disproportionately generous gift of 250 exceptional war horses called Sardian horses. And to give you a sense of um, how big of a deal that is, I just took a quote from the very beginning of the book. "'You give a man one of the Sardian horses to reward him greatly.' You give him four or five of these glories to exalt him above his fellows, propel him towards rank, and earn him the jealousy, possibly mortal, of those who rode the smaller horses of the steppes. The Princess Chang Wang, a royal consort of Targur, now through twenty years of peace, had just bestowed upon him, with permission, two hundred and fifty of the dragon horses. So, this like absolutely preposterous gift all of a sudden puts this inconsequential soldier into this political spotlight. And while it opens the doors to meeting with kings and other political leaders, it also puts a target on his back from those who are more power hungry in politics. And so, it's kind of the theme is about how these like acts of generosity or how these seemingly insignificant decisions have ripple effects in politics and society and that's kind of the driving force of this book so i mean it's you would read this book if you were really drawn into this historical fiction component um there's this really interesting quote from Guy Gavril Kay on why he chooses to blend historical fiction and fantasy versus just writing historical fiction. And he goes, I prefer to offer a character inspired by great people than to pretend that I have any access to the thoughts and relationships of the real figure or that I'm offering the reader a valid picture of an actual person and I want to chase a free ride on their celebrity. Spinning the story slightly towards an invented setting and character modeled on the real ones feels both a creatively liberating and ethically valid approach. And there's a lot you could talk about about um, why fantasy is such a great vehicle for this. Because like if you know the history of how society plays out, it would kind of be spoilers. <laughs> but you kind of avoid that. He's also more liberated in the sense that he could write anything that happens to these characters he can change events he can keep the drama going he can keep the pacing going without worrying about being true to like a specific character and Guy Gavriel Kay always does a a really good job of that of being committed to a setting but weaving in these elements of fantasy and I I would recommend Under Heaven because in one standalone novel Guy Gavril K. expertly reminds me of one of the many reasons why I love the fantasy genre, and I'll quote him again here. He says, I love the way folklore and fantasy tap into the roots of storytelling. The paradox for me is that by moving a story into the fantastic, we can actually bring it closer to the reader, not move it further away. So, I mean, that's the the reason you'd read Guy Gavril K. is just this idea of coming back to that idea of human condition and exploring the consequences of politics and exploring what's happened in history in an honest way but also a fictional fantastical way and and that's my pitch for uh for under heaven
1: nice charles you've definitely intrigued me i have read tigana um but i have not read anything else by Guy Gavriel Kay. And I'll
0: say if you've read Tigana and like okay if I read Tigana and I liked it or I didn't like it where am I coming into with Under Heaven? And I'll say Tigana has higher highs but also lower lows (laughs) as a book. And and, uh, Under Heaven is definitely more consistent but I would say in terms of like action and drama Under Heaven is pretty understated and in that respect. So if you're looking for something action-packed page-turner-drama, not so much. But if you're looking for like a political intrigue, like deep dive into a more exotic setting than you would typically read in fantasy, it's a it's a solid read.
1: <laughs> well said, Charles. <laughs> I, <laughs> I again find myself looking at our giant TBR and being like, uh, is there a way that we could find a somewhere to fit this in because i really want to read some of what more some more of what guy gabriel k has to offer Mm -hmm. tigana is quite good i think that he he's kind of the master of the standalone in some ways i'm glad that you brought him up here because if you look at rankings on places like our fantasy of top standalone novels you will see <laughs> his name littered throughout
0: right yeah he does a great job of like identifying something that he's really into like for Tigana just this the, the history of the Mediterranean and the politics around it and it really creates this really interesting setting that you normally wouldn't get like we're so used to european swords and sorcery but to get like mediterranean the slight differences to that that he weaves in are super interesting and the theme of tigana is an interesting one it's like how tyranny attempts to erase the identity of conquered peoples which is again going back to why i like guy gavril k's approach to fantasies like sometimes there's more truth or relatability in the fantastic than in just purely historical fiction he's like i could have written a story about an italian emperor who did these things or i could make it about a nebulous like a, a, a fantasy character and that way more people can kind of identify with it and then let's bring it into the fantastic where this emperor literally <laughs> tries to um erase an identity of peoples. <laughs> so it, it makes for a really interesting read i'll say the themes for under heaven aren't as kind of uh, realized or concrete as that, I would say the theme for Under Heaven is like the consequences of seemingly inconsequential, generous, uncalculated decisions have on the world. You know, these moments in history, where it's like, wow, what if that moment played out differently? We may not have had this huge war, or huge falling out or A whatever. Sort of
1: butterfly effect.
0: Yeah, sort of. This idea of how, there's also this idea of like these emperors are kind of complacent and they create this like power vacuum. But mostly it's like, wow, what if the arch, like what if that sniper missed shooting Archduke Franz Ferdinand when we have World War I? You know, so it's kind of weird things like that. It's like, what if she didn't give those 250 horses? What if this emperor didn't do this? Or what if he didn't yeah. do that? It is that butterfly ripple effect and how it affects history. And that's what Under Heaven kind of gets into
1: I like the idea of this person who is out of his depths, kind of unwittingly embroiled in (laughs) all of this really intense political intrigue Charles
0: There is and there's also these elements of like oh the award has to be claimed in person so people are like waiting to like otherwise they would just kill him instantly and take the horse up. It's like oh he has to go claim them first and then he's just just like was this really a gift or was this just like a like why did you do this to me now I'm getting way too much unwanted attention and yeah he navigates these political compasses and we know from like Chinese history that this idea of like war generals and emperors and like you get into all of it it's super interesting he really does an intimate research of these um civilizations when he goes into writing and I would say that about Tigana and I'd say that about Under Heaven and that's a really strong reason to read Guy Gavril K for all those history buffs it's like he does honestly um research these civilizations and portray them in a way that's relatable to the human condition not just to history
1: well said Charles the whole historical fiction bit that you dove into with that quote is really intriguing (laughs) I think it makes total sense thinking about it having read Tigana uh, um, that he Basically, right, he gets inspired by these settings and these events. And then he's like, oh, I can tell this story, but change it in whatever ways I want to say what I want to say mm-hmm. and not have to worry about all the baggage that comes with that. So he's, he's one of the masters of the genre, Charles. He's a, a sure. fantasy writer's fantasy writer, too. I always hear these modern or these like contemporary fantasy authors it's amazing when i hear interviews from them how many of them cite gabriel k as being such a huge influence for them and he's he's been at it a long time and inspired a lot of folks to get going and writing works like like his
0: and i'd say rightfully so he definitely came up with a formula for him that really gets to the root at one of the reasons fantasy is such a popular genre for so many people myself included he's drawing on history but he's also trying to create these like what if moments and by exploring it to the fantastical degree by creating these engaging dramatic worlds that you wouldn't normally be able to do with a straight up historical fiction he's kind of liberating himself from the confines of of history or having to honestly portray a certain character and he's bringing in elements of the fantastics to tell a really engaging thinker of a story and that's why I think he's and his research is insane. Like, I mean, the the amount of work he goes into coming up with names of characters and places and the whole setting, it's done through so much meticulous research. And the fact that you, I would expect him to just write tons of books in a Mediterranean setting, but no, he does Mediterranean, he does European, he does Asian. It's like, the guy must be a real history buff.
1: <laughs> well... An engaging thinker of a story, says Charles of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. That's uh, right. I'm sure I can put that on the cover. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's desperate for a Charles quote on his book.
0: <laughs> no, so I, for me, it's just fun. It's different, and it's a, a a part of why I liked reading Poppy War too. It's just like that. I've always like to spice up the setting a little bit we don't get too much of an asian influence in modern fantasy too much so it was just nice to see and also in the poppy worst case it was like rf Kuang obviously does a ton of research into chinese history as well hers was more modern than the tang dynasty but it was still like just i would say that is maybe a bit more into the fantasy but she does draw on historical moments to create that world and um it, it, in both I think anyone that liked poppy war would have an interest in under heaven it's certainly not as exciting as poppy war but
1: it is New books are
0: reminiscing of the of the same of the same elements and themes of the settings so
1: well I'm gonna step a bit out of my bounds and trying to <laughs> give recommendations to people who might like this book even though I haven't read the book <laughs> by saying that folks who've <laughs> liked the goblin emperor maybe would enjoy this i don't know if you, I you don't know about know that one by that catherine is. addison it's about a it's a half goblin <laughs> individual who is like way down the line of a succession who ends up because of this accident being put in charge of an empire and he's involved in all of this political intrigue that he's woefully unprepared to be hmm. involved in so if that fish out of water element of being involved in political intrigue appeals to you then maybe uh, uh this is this is for you
0: perhaps there is political navigation here um and it I've, without having read that i can't give it my full endorsement but i will say that if you do like Kind of that fish out of water, high stakes politics aspect that is definitely found in Under Heaven for sure.
1: Cool. All right, and
0: well, uh, that's that's our recommendations.
1: This is the uh, Station Eleven and Under Heaven uh, <laughs> recommendation series. Eleventh Heaven. You're looking to <laughs> say
0: Eleventh Heaven. If you're looking yeah. for a break in a series and just pick up a little standalone, a nice thinker, check out one of these books. You, uh, they a have a nice thinker. Yeah, a nice thinker. They, they um have our recommendation.
1: Our high school English teacher, I think, once referred to Charles as a nice thinker.
0: I don't even know if, if that was even the case, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> 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 But, yeah, I mean, unless we have more to say about our recommended standalone novels, I'm ready to play that outro music.
1: I think we've said it all, Charles.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking fantasy podcast if you like what you heard today toss five stars to our podcast on apple podcasts you can also just kind of follow us or subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts Uh, to find us on social media check out the ftf podcast with the number one at the end for twitter dylan does a great job over there on twitter Um, we're also on instagram and facebook at the ftf podcast be sure to an email at theftfpodcast.gmail.com let us know your thoughts let us know if you've read these books if you like liked them if you're thinking about giving them a try we want to know so please reach out um, to find out our reading schedule see what else we've got cooking check out our website theftfpodcast.com and yeah that's about it just google us interact with us show us some love appreciate you listening if you give any of these books a chance that would be let us know what you thought We'd love to hear it and uh, yeah it. I think we did So thank you everyone for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends.